Okay, before it starts, I just want to give you a heads up. I know I normally don't talk ahead of what's going on, but today won't make sense at all. Um, so, uh, what you're about to hear as the intro is from a musical called The Musical of Musicals, The Musical. It is a parody of five different composer and their composers of musicals and their like stock things that they use. Um, so, this is a Rodgers and Hammerstein like mini musical that they did and i clipped out all of the references to specifically carousel i think it's very funny um it's kind of a little crazy and it jumps around through the whole thing a bunch but it's like five minutes long and i think it's a good time and if you know a bunch about rogers and hammerstein you'll find it just as funny as i do so enjoy uh from the musical musicals the musical a the Rogers and Hammerstein segment called Corn. Maybe you come by to wink at June. Huh? What use have I got for her? I got my life all figured out. Traveling with the carnival, seeing the world, etc., etc., etc. And what are you doing here? I was just wandering around your cornfield. Huh. What's the use of wandering? I don't love you. Say that I do. Oh, I don't love you, and I hope that you don't love me too. If I did, which I don't, I would tell you so. But I don't, so I won't. Okay, now you know I don't love. Together, they dance a highly symbolic ballet. Sort of run of the mill. Because you're June, 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 just because you're June! Oh! It's time for my soliloquy. She can't tie me down, I gotta see the world! If I go, I'll be free to ramble, to drink and cuss and gamble, showing how manly I am. Got more girls than the king, as I am. Still, if I stay, I can have lots of corn. Corn from night till morn. All my carnival friends would miss me. The strong man, this would hit him like a ton of bricks. The Siamese twins, it'd tear them apart. And what about all them purdy girls? As a carnival barker, I can strut and flirt with my muscles a-ripping in my tight-striped shirt. There's many a way to jilt a girl. I love them and leave them on the tilt-a-whirl. Now that ain't too darn bad. No, that ain't too darn bad. Ha-ha! The bearded lady almost got me to marry her. That was a close shave. Well, maybe it's time I settle down. June sure is purdy. 
We could have a son. I'd name him after me. I'd teach him to wrestle and play. Some fellers might call it silly for a big guy like me to stay home all day playing with my own little willy. Well, so what? I gotta decide, I can't stay torn. I'll pop the question if she'll pop the corn. I swear by an elephant's eye, I'll say I do or die. Or should I? Lights up back on the farm, following the wedding festivities. The townsfolk are celebrating. <laughs> that was delicious clam dip. Eating it made us glad. We know they were minced, but we're convinced that some of them clams were bad. Our stomachs hurt, our bladders are full. We drank too much champagne. That was delicious clam dip, but some of us got to me. Remember when we opened up the corn chip bag and poured them all into a bowl? Then we gobbled and gulped and crunched and munched. Guess we just lost control. Gobbling and a gulping, crunching and a munching, losing our self-control. Jitter trips and falls on his own knife. Well, Jitter tripped and fell on his own knife. He's dead. Oh, what beautiful corn. What beautiful, 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 beautiful. Beautiful, 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 beautiful. Oh! Why, sometimes you can get hit. Hit real hard. And it feel like a kiss. What beautiful corn! Just because it's June, June, June. <laughs> Amazing. Um, wow. I was Thank so you. ready to go and you just you took it away. You're Even welcome. on the verge, a woman on the verge of a headache like RJ. I literally, yes. Uh, constantly dancing between a headache and a swollen joint. <laughs> well, stop I, dancing. I that also- might be your swollen joint problem. <laughs> Oh, speaking of dancing, this is a dancing movie, huh? What do you think, <laughs> Molly? That was the first note I said. It was like Molly's, Molly's going to love this, this because it's finally a dance movie. Finally, we gave it to her. I love the concept that the woman would just simply not speak for the carousel recording. Listeners, listeners, we've been teasing for a long time that I hate teasing. That's something we we would call it teasing. And uh, 
you're going to hear why tonight. So I hope you're excited <laughs> about that. And I want to give everyone the context that just before we signed on to uh, record this podcast, Politico leaked the Supreme Court decision that they're overturning Roe v. Wade. So just so everyone knows the uh. general mood of the room for, for the podcast today, um, it's not it's not a good day for women, everyone. No. no. And let's let's exacerbate that by talking for two hours about carousel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Um, we could also friendships might end today because I problematically really <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> like the music. Not Roe v. Wade. Not not the not the not the decision. <laughs> no, uh, yeah. I problematically clear. really uh, agree with. I've been court. waiting. I've been really pro life this whole time. And I've just been afraid to tell you. This but... is my secret. <laughs> Molly, it is your turn this week to <laughs> summarize the plot. What timing? of carousel in one minute or less and your time does start now up in non-denominational heaven deceased carnival barker billy bigelow learns his kinfolk are in trouble and makes a case to the star keeper that he should receive an extra day on earth to help them in flashback we see billy fall in love with julie jordan over the course of approximately three minutes of speaking with billy julie loses her job is warned billy will steal her money and decides to marry him uh, Billy immediately starts abusing her and struggles to get work. He learns Julie is pregnant and he agrees to rob attendees at the big clam bake to provide for his child. The robbery goes wrong before it even starts and Billy dies by falling off a pile of crates as he tries to escape. Back up in heaven, Billy decides to go to Earth to see his now 15-year-old daughter, Louise, who has been scorned by polite society for having an abusive thief for a father. She has tragically fallen in love with another carnival worker and plans to run away with him. Billy appears to her under the guise of being a friend of her father's, ostensibly to persuade her away from doing this. At first, Louise wants to hear about her father, but then she gets frightened and tries to run away, at which point Billy hits her and disappears. Louise then tells her mother that the hit felt like a kiss, and Julie enthusiastically endorses the the idea that a hit from someone you love doesn't hurt. Billy magically communicates to his daughter to not be held back by the shortcomings of her father and to Julie that he truly loved her, which I guess fixes everything. Curtain. That's 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 one minute. minute. Um, I don't think you missed anything. (laughs) You definitely got it. The only thing I would quibble with is that technically he is not in heaven in the light there. It's like a purgatory type. I don't it's not necessarily purgatory because they're not Catholic, but yeah, yeah, yeah. They they it's an in between make it a, an afterlife that is not it's like tried to be divorced from christianity i think to not make that clear but i feel like in the one minute summary i was trying to get people right, quickly right, right. to yeah, the yeah. idea of he's yep. in an afterlife and there's like somebody overseeing it and there is actually but they do make a joke about jigger being down there so yeah. there is like in there is there is there is a point at this musical in which they imply that jigger billy's friend who helps him do the robbery is in hell but billy has made it up to heaven because he was a good he earns his ability to go back to earth for a day because he was actually a good person was billy bigelow yeah 30 like 10 yeah. minutes in the recording <laughs> so i so i let's talk about our history with this musical. So i saw i saw this in high school i think i saw the movie um I really like the music. It is not one of my favorite musicals. We did see it when it was revived on Broadway with um, Jesse Mueller and um, what is his name? 
James Henry, James Henry, John, J, John, uh, John, Jacob, Jingleheimer Schmidt. Yeah. Oh, um, please, please continue. And I'll, I'll ping back. We in. saw that back in 20 pre pandemic. So before the world ended. Mm-hmm. Um, and I cried from the minute the overture started to the minute it was over. Again, not an endorsement of what this musical is saying. I want to be very clear. Adam thinks domestic abuse is romantic. <laughs> he is going on record as saying that's true. I think it's gorgeous. Um, but I I liked the production that we saw. Um, I like the character of Carrie. Uh, yeah, I have a lot of mixed feelings about this musical because Joshua um, Henry. It's a very... It's a very interesting show. Joshua Henry is his name. RJ? This is another musical where I was introduced by, you guessed it, American Idol. So in American Idol, the season where Jordan Sparks won, season six, she sings You'll Never Walk Alone um, on like a charity themed night where they got to sing like inspirational songs to help support a a charity of their choice and jordan saying you'll never walk alone and i was like oh my god go off belting ballad legend i was like what is this song i was equated it to like yes celine whitney you know our greatest ballads and to find out that it was from carousel was a real treat when adam and i watched like a fathom events Yes. Uh, carousel, like they screened it. In they theaters. screened it in theaters, and I was like, "Oh, this is the Jordan Sparks song." <laughs> so uh, yes, this is the Jordan Sparks song. Yes, <laughs> yes famous Jordan Sparks song. Jordan Sparks. Yeah. I really have issues with your uh, book of this musical, <laughs> but um, I feel like we're gonna need to do like a Patreon episode one day where we do a bracket of American Idol uh, musical theater performances because RJ yes. has made it so relevant um, to the pod. Yeah. Absolutely. And there's so many that do Broadway like right now too. So maybe we'll have one oh, of them. so many American Idol performers. Yes. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So until, you know, it gives me time until I am able to write and pitch the American Idol musical. Right. To go on Broadway. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, like Adam said, we watched the latest Broadway revival. Jess Mueller, oh. Lindsay Mendez, Renee Fleming, Joshua Henry. And it was sensational. We it was beautiful. One, we have one more connection to Carousel. <gasps> we do? Yeah. Uh-oh. Uh, we used the Carousel Waltz in one of our musical cho- oh, choices yes. for our wedding. We had our wedding party walk in, into, the wedding into the wedding with the waltz. With the Carousel Waltz. You chose yeah. a song from this musical yeah. for your <laughs> wedding? Molly, listen, no women were getting married that day. So I think we're I think that really makes it okay. (laughs) It would be bad if a man and woman got married and this song was played. But, you know, two men. Or two women. This is further proof that no one hates women more than gay men. Wow. Jesus Christ. Adam's getting canceled again, again today. Cancel count, honey. It was a beautiful ceremony. I, I want to say on a serious <laughs> note that domestic abuse can be a serious issue in the gay community. So we're yes, certainly absolutely. not saying that um, it domestic abuse only exists in heterosexual couples. Um, 
Wow. I'm just going to, I just have to process. I was, I was an attendee at this wedding and I don't think I realized um, that, that our friends from college were walking to the song. (laughs) (laughs) And then we walked into something good from the sound of music. That's nice. So it was like a Rogers and Hammerstein. It was an R&H moment. Although I think I have a vague recollection that 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 you walked into that and then in the back of my head I heard Adam saying, how do we solve a problem like your bitch ass? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, throw back to season one. Season what an one. earworm, that, oh, that little. Yes. Original Broadway run of Showgaze. Yeah. Molly, uh, we obviously know one of your connections to this musical is that you went to our wedding. <laughs> So yeah. that's great. <laughs> Anything else? And you heard the waltz and was like, wow, what a beautiful waltz. Didn't, didn't know that I was endorsing domestic abuse by going to your wedding. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I actually, I had never seen this all the way through before this. Um, I knew the plot of Carousel because in a musical theater class that I took, we read about it as part of some other piece of, re- I don't remember what the context, greater context was of this article or whatever that we read. Um, but it summarized the plot, and I said, wow, that's horrifying, um, and just decided I would not engage with Carousel as a result of that. I had seen the beginning of this movie one time when I was with my mom, and I was, like, at home. We watched the beginning of it, but it was, like, late, and we just didn't really want to stick it out. It wasn't because we, like, knew exactly what was coming and and were against it on feminist grounds. We just, it just wasn't really grabbing us. Um, so I'd seen just bits of it. I did I did know some, like, you know, You'll Never Walk Alone. I had obviously heard those things before. But, um, yeah, I had I had planned not to subject myself to watching it, and I did for you all. So you're welcome. Who knew that, that when when Molly pitched us to revive this show yeah. at Sidetrack in Chicago? She was going to have to endorse. She was going to have to go through this this moment right now. I knew Amazing. it was a risk. It was a, it was a, something I, I went in with my eyes open about. <laughs> Just like Julie should have done to her marriage. But she wouldn't listen to a single person. All the men around her tried to lead her the right way. I mean, there's a lot of problems with that scene. We'll, we'll get into it. <laughs> oh, I read your notes. Um, I had to know what we were heading into in this conversation. So I read all of Molly's notes already. <laughs> you were so anxious about what I was going to say. I, I was so nervous. I was you like, were, maybe you were going to go in with a red pen and say a woman can't say that kind of thing. Oh, you didn't I'm see all the edits that. I made. Oh, just scroll down, Molly. Go ahead and scroll down. <laughs> So Carousel is uh, based on a play written by Frank Molnar. Um, I'm definitely probably saying that wrong. Uh, He was a Hungarian playwright. Uh, It is called Lilium. The play is called Lilium. It was written in 1909. Um, It is literally the play or the musical, like plot, beat for beat, basically, uh, except it takes place in Budapest uh, in Hungary. There are actually a couple of big deviations that I found in some reading that I did. Do you want me to talk about those? Is it the, so there's the, the ending is the big one. What's the other one? So one is that, um, Julie knows that, uh, Billy's piece of shit. And she, when, uh, somebody appears to her and claims to be a friend of her husband's, she kicks him out because she does. She's like, nah, my husband was no good. If you knew him, I'm not interested. So Julie is, uh, 
a little more clued into how she should be treated as a human being. Uh, but then, yeah, the ending and that, I don't know if, do you want to say what happens at the end? So in the ending, I linked in the notes, I linked to the Gutenberg, uh, shout out to the Gutenberg. Hey. Uh, uh, all your free, free uh, historical content you could want. Um, it is an English translation. Uh, and um, the end, so he's, he hit, okay. <gasps> He what? He hits Louise, <gasps> the daughter. Um, she cries out. He dis- He doesn't disappear, but I guess he disappears from their point of view. Right. As, mm-hmm. as is in the movie as well. Like he's still there. The audience sees him, but whatever. So he disappears, quote unquote. They talk about how he's gone. Um, the what they what they call the policemen, the star like policemen who like accompany the star him to keeper. Earth. Yeah kind of like shake their head in disappointment. And then he like is walked off stage. Um, Like he did, he was not able to complete his task of like saving Louise. And then it still does end with the line of like, but when he hit you, did it feel like nothing at all? Basically it ends with the worst line maybe ever written in a play. (laughs) Let me, let me open it up and read it, babe. Uh, is it possible for someone to hit you hard like that, real loud and hard, and not hurt you at all? It is possible, dear, that someone may beat you and beat you and beat you and not hurt you at all. There is a pause. Nearby, an organ grinder has stopped. The music of his organ begins. The curtain falls. So... It was great. like from the from the beginning. It was like, that's the point. That's the message. Yeah, that's absolutely presented as the thesis statement of this musical i cannot make it clear to you enough audience that this is not a problematic side thing that's happening this is what the musical is about about yeah yeah um yeah i also when i was the reading that i did said that like it seems to be implied that billy's gonna go to hell now because of his failure um just to make that explicitly clear but it seems like it seems like he goes to hell because he doesn't save Louise, but not because uh, he hits. His it's daughter. bad that he keeps hitting <sighs> members People. of his family. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The so so that's that's Lilium. So then, in the musical opened in 1945 on Broadway. It was a follow up to their 1943 musical Oklahoma. Um, obviously, they were very. There was a lot of. Uh, Oklahoma was such a massive success that there was like a lot of pressure for them to do a good to do it well. Um, so the producers of Oklahoma came to them with doing Lilium because Lilium was like at this point a theater standard. It had like not done well in its first run in Hungary, I guess, but then like it had been redone in the 20s and then it was like hugely successful. So um they came to them and was like, How about you do this one? And at first, Rogers and Hammerstein rejected it due to its location they like didn't they didn't have an in to hungry they didn't know how they could write that for the american public mm. um they did consider making it possibly louisiana so uh it, there would be like creole accents mixed in but um hammerstein found that it would be very hard to write uh lyrics with uh mm. that that in mind um but then richard rogers had a home in connecticut so he uh proposed the idea of making it new england and then Hammerstein was like, whoa, what a great idea. Like, they're like hearty folk and like the very just very classic Rodgers and Hammerstein trope of like 
hearty country folk who are do salt working of the just salt of the good earth. people just, just good people all good around people. i i did also want to say that one of the readings that i did sort of implied that after oklahoma they kind of wanted to take on like a problem musical to mm. prove like oh we can do something that's like kind of dark and whatever yeah. so like yeah they they knew that it was like a little a risque. Edgy. yeah 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 um so uh Ferenc Molnar, he was still alive at this point. He had never agreed to have uh, his um, work like given the rights away to make it a film or make it a musical or whatever. And people had tried before, but he just was like, no, my piece is my piece. I don't want anybody else to know it by anything else. Um, but he had seen Oklahoma and like was so impressed by what they did with uh, Green Grows the Lilacs into Oklahoma that he was like, wow, if you can do that with my piece, how incredible, blah, blah. So he got he got them to uh, he gave them the rights uh, They he allowed them to make a couple plot changes, which we kind of talked about um, the soliloquy, which is like probably the biggest number in the show. It was written to provide the reasoning for why uh, Billy would then move to commit the robbery. So you have to like musically get from the idea of like i'm going to have a baby too i'm co- gonna commit a robbery and i yeah i i, I had a, <laughs> i had a summary of that song in my summary, summary but i i couldn't i felt like it's gonna be too long but for listeners the soliloquy is him starting off by being like i'm so excited to have my boy my boy's gonna be tough and strong and he's gonna beat people up and i'm gonna be the toughest dad around and then he's like but then what if i have a girl oh i must protect my little girl my little dainty unprotectable girl and then he decides he needs to steal money to to save his stereotypical child which is greatly satirized by uh schmigadoon when they (laughs) say He says the line about like, we'll have kids, two boys for me and two girls for you. And she goes, <laughs> wouldn't all the kids be for both of us? <laughs> um, so the pantomime at the top, uh, which we they do put in the movie, it's like this the silent uh, kind of moment up, up top of the film. It was originally added because Richard Rogers was so annoyed that overtures were like drowned out by the sound of, people sitting down late to the show. <laughs> ah. So he was like, no, it'll be something you have to watch so they can't like let people in late or whatever. It was what is very the, funny. I've already forgotten. What's the pantomime at the beginning? It's just like the setting of the scene. Like you come, you see the like carousel, you meet, you see like you all watch the characters, the carnival, you watch basically. the lady gotcha. like silently bark for the, or he barks for the carnival. She's selling tickets. Cause, but don't we, we start in the stars, right? We don't start at the carousel. Not in the musical. Not in the musical. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so da, 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 uh, at tryout. So yes, it allows for an in media res treatment of the uh, musical. Um, at the tryouts, the show ended at 1.30 a.m. This sounds a lot like Camelot. <laughs> uh, they cut half the ballet, five scenes and two songs. And so the ballet then ran for 40 minutes. Oh my God. Could you imagine? First of all, half the ballet. That means the ballet was 80 minutes long insane incredible <laughs> um the starkeeper was originally mr and mrs god a new england minister and his wife but then they were like it doesn't it wasn't really working so they switched it out just to be the starkeeper on the ladder um mm. and also anything with a ladder always feels very our town to me and maybe yeah. it's just because i 
saw our town at like a formative age. So anything with a ladder, I'm always like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get where but ladders are very big in our town. I feel like it's a good, it's a yeah. solid association. Yeah. So the awards for the musical in 1945, um, the Tonys had not been uh, created yet. They didn't weren't created until 1947. So in their place, wow. we have the Donaldson Awards. So it won um, everything it could, basically. It won best play of the season, male lead performance, direction, supporting performance, book, lyric, score, choreography, costume design. So um, this musical is heralded by uh, Time Magazine in 1999 as the best musical of the 20th century. So I just want to leave my... Time Magazine resign. (laughs) <laughs> resign resign <laughs> from being a magazine <laughs> turning your papers time yeah uh, you your gun in your badge on my desk yes <laughs> so the movie well gun and badge let's talk about domestic abuse in in the police oh community God. <laughs> Direct, it is directed by Henry King. The screenplay is by Phoebe Efron and Henry and Efron, who are Nora's parents. Yes. Very Amazing. famously. Um, uh, da, 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 is produced by Henry Efron and Daryl F. Zanuck. It stars Gordon McRae as Billy Bigelow, Shirley Jones as Julie, Julie Jordan, Jordan, and Cameron Mitchell as Jigger. Uh, Gordon McRae and Shirley Jones, we've already talked about on this very podcast before because they also starred in Oklahoma. So, ah, okay. Um, and Shirley Jones and the girl who plays Louise go on later in their careers to star in another movie we've already talked about, The Music Man, because Louise plays Zanita, the mayor's daughter. Oh, he got, he got. Um, the cinematography is by Charles G. Clark. It is edited by William H. Reynolds. The music is obviously by Richard Rogers. It is distributed by 20th Century Fox. Uh, it was released on February 16th, 1956. Its running time is 128 minutes. Uh, its budget was 3.3 million, but it only made 3.7. I it, The number is 3.75 million, um, but I don't know how much of that was the original run. Um, I saw that it was a flop. That's what I read. So I don't I think a lot of that might be from rent. Good. Now, very interestingly, 1956 is also the same year that another Rodgers and Hammerstein movie musical comes out. The King and I comes out also by 20th Century Mm. Fox starring Deborah Kerr, very famously. Um, And it like does super well at the Oscars. And this gets no Oscars traction. Now, um, people attribute it to this being so very dark, but also The King and I ends pretty darkly. Um, but I think more than that, 20th century just put their like awards kind of push behind King and one, I over, you know, over yeah. this one. Um, so the original casting was supposed to be Billy played by Frank Sinatra uh, and Julie mm-hmm. played by Judy Garland. That would have been bad, I think. Um Certainly a choice. Didn't Frank Sinatra have an abuse problem, or am I confusing him with someone else? I'm gonna look. He this was up like so a I very I mean, disciplinarian he... figure for his kids, right? I thought like that he... was Bing Crosby. That's Bing Crosby. Oh, that's Bing Crosby. I thought that was Sinatra. I mean, they probably all be. They all. Um. So Frank Sinatra uh, apparently walked off the set um, when he got. This is the. There are two stories. 
There's the story that Frank Sinatra walked off the set the minute he found out they were shooting the movie both in Cinemascope and in Standard, which meant that they would have to film every scene twice. And he said he wasn't getting paid to film two movies. So he walked Mm. off the set. But Shirley Jones in her memoir later wrote that it was actually because um, Ava Gardner, who was his wife Mm -hmm. at the time, um, she, I think it was his wife, she was shooting a movie called Mogambo in Africa. And she called Frank and was like, I will sleep with Clark Gable during the set of this, during the filming of this movie, if you do not fly to Africa to be with me, I will definitely cheat on you with Clark Gable. And so he was like, gotta Gotta go. go. Bye. It's a compelling argument. I gotta say. <laughs> I mean, if you were Ava, wouldn't you? Yes. Yes. Yes, I would. Yes, I would. Um, there is allegedly a rumored remake with Hugh Jackman that has been in the works. Oh. I'm, in, I'm sure it's in developmental hell. I don't think he's. I think he's too old at this don't point to it. play this. Um, and he, no one should produce it. Um, and, I heard the Weinstein Company was actually <laughs> uh, thinking about it. Oh. Uh, it looks like Frank Sinatra had some like tumultuous relationships that may have involved physical altercations, but not like necessarily d- domestic abuse. Who knows what the line was considered mm. at the time? Right. Anyway, We've continue. all seen The Godfather. Um, the he Hugh Jackman apparently wanted uh, Anne Hathaway to play Julie Jordan. Whatever. This means nothing. It didn't happen. Um, yeah, so that's all the background info I have on this movie. It was very slight, shockingly. Um, but uh, I guess that means we should head into talking about Carousel. We start this musical up in non-denominational heaven, as I called mm-hmm. it. But as we mm-hmm. later clarified, it is perhaps purgatory. It's not totally It's clear an in-between. The- we're not heaven. We're not hell. We're definitely not on earth. We're in the it's, stars. We're, we're in the stars. stars. We haven't yeah, gotten I mean, at the atmosphere. <laughs> it's sort of like a precursor to the good place where it's like a bureaucratic system. A bureaucratic where, place, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he has to appeal There's to the starkeeper. Yeah, mm-hmm. That he has to go back to Earth. You gotta fill um, out forms. You right, gotta ten ninety nine. Yeah. W2. So that's like our framing device. That's all fine. Oh, this was added. I should have said this. This was added because they were so worried that once he died, people were gonna like leave the theater because they thought because then the back in the day show. they obviously had intermissions in movies, so they thought people were gonna be like, "Well, bye," and then. So they were like, "Well, we need to make it a framing device so people know that they have to come back to see the rest of the." How this turns gotcha. out. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Um, that part I didn't necessarily have a problem with. But then we go to the carnival and mm. we start with, yeah, yeah. There's like a pantomime where we see Julie and Billy kind of flirt on the carousel, but all, we don't have any lines. We just kind of see them physically flirting. And then... She is like getting kicked out of the carousel and that's like our beginning of knowing them at all. And she's arguing with the woman who owns the carousel. And then Billy comes on and he says something to the effect of like jibber, 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 jabber to make fun of the fact that they're women and they're talking. And then he walks across the the screen and then he looks at her best friend's ass and checks her out. 
And that's how we meet our hero of this story. <laughs> and I want to know what was wrong with people in 1956. Because at least if the story were like, he seemed so charming at first. And he yes. has this like, he has this like dual yeah. personality thing where like, he, he appears really charming. And then in private, he becomes this like monster. You would like kind of get it of like, why does Julie feel compelled by him? But he like comes in in the most abrasive, unpleasant way anyone could ever come into a scene. And I don't understand it. I okay, so there's something that I think from I think I have to say is that this musical, I don't it's hard because they make it a hopeful ending and he does get to go to heaven because he saves Louise, quote unquote, blah 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 blah. So like I do think through most of this, you are not supposed to be like Billy Bigelow's a great guy. No, I agree. I agree. I don't think that they were trying to make him out to be good. So but I, yeah. I also worry about like getting into the conversation of like, these are, this is like, okay, let's talk about domestic abuse. <laughs> we, there's on it. There's no way for us to not talk about I know. it. Yeah, yeah. 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 What, Kelly O'Hara, when she did the concert in 20, 2012, something like that. I don't remember what year it was. She did the concert. And she was like asked about it because by this point, it had started to be a conversation of like carousel's problematic. We weren't using the word problematic back then, but like it was the conversation of like, this isn't a great show. In 2015? 20, no, I think it was like 2012. I don't remember okay, what I year like the concert was. I feel like we had the word was. problematic, but continue. Yeah. Well, not to the extent that we have it currently online where like everything is whatever. Anyway, the word existed. We did not use it in the way we ubiquitously use it now. Okay, that's the point. Anyway, uh, she was quoted as saying like, this is, it's still worth seeing. She's obviously trying to sell tickets. It's worth seeing because this the reason domestic domestic abuse is a problem is because it happens to women and they stay like julie jordan stays in the relationship just like many women who are in situations of domestic abuse stay in relationships in which they should on objectively remove themselves from but they mm -hmm. cannot seem to do it um so i worry about getting into like a obviously no one's passing judgment on julie jordan in this podcast um, mm -hmm. but there is, and it is hard because at the end it is such like a, but it, it felt great when he hit you. And it's like, why is that? Why is that the takeaway? Because, yeah. okay. So the, the thesis of the musical is because everybody is telling her like, don't be with this guy. Right. People immediately say that it's messed up that he hits her when they find that out, when we get to that part. Of, right. So like mm -hmm. the society around her agrees that abuse is bad. But the thesis is like, but love is complicated and like it doesn't it's he's hurting me, but he doesn't mean to or what. I, and so like it's every excuse that keeps people in those relationships. Right. What drives mm -hmm. me insane about it is yeah. that it's not that the musical it's not that Roger Hammerstein actually think of domestic abuse is good. Right. It's that they think it's complicated and that sometimes maybe it's OK if you really love somebody. Yeah. And that is, I think, a worse message. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then one where like domestic abuse was on stage, but just incidental would be 
a different thing to me. Mm-hmm. And the reason, and I agree, like I, I'm not, I'm, I will try not to judge Julie Jordan because women are really in this situation, and I will not judge Kelly O'Hara because she was cast in the show and had to <laughs> had to promote it, right? So I'm not saying this is like her opinion for real, but with other, I I want to compare it to Taming of the Shrew because people talk a lot mm. about it, like. Should we do Taming of the Shrew anymore? What's being portrayed is really abuse. How should you do Shrew? Should you um, like lean into the domestic abuse and like make it into a really uncomfortable thing to watch? A tragic should you comedy, like subvert yeah. the final monologue where she talks about how we should all be subservient to men to like make it into a comedy? I feel like with Shrew, you can at least make choices yeah. and like put a frame around it about like here's how you should feel about the things that are being depicted on stage. Yeah. But in a musical, you are told what emotions to have by the music. Via the music, yeah. And so you cannot do a show that has this level of romantic mood setting through the through the music and also get around what it's saying about domestic abuse. They're they're too tightly intertwined and you yeah. can't get around it. And so therefore I just think it's like unstageable because there's there's no way to offer enough commentary to get around what the musical is essentially trying to say at its heart and we can talk later i like read some articles about more modern stagings and ways that people have tried to address it and i think that's like interesting as a thought exercise but i think like ethically we should just you can do songs from it in a concert setting mm-hmm. uh, yeah. without the plot attached to it i think you'll never walk alone is, is fine because even that song in context is really about like uh continuing on when you've lost somebody that you loved or whatever and like it's messed up she loves him but she does love i don't have any issue with that song and that's the one that's most famous but like i just think that i just think that like as a as a holistic piece everything about it is so intertwined with the idea that there is a romantic element to domestic abuse and i think that Mm -hmm. we should stop endorsing that idea in any way yeah yeah, because I I think like even before <clears throat> we first watched the revival, that was my concern in a bit too of like, wow, we're actually really doing a Broadway production of this again. And knowing that there was already having, we were already having those conversations about should Carousel be done? And I, it, I don't know, like I may have, because I was so, it, I feel like watching it because it was so like, you know, focus on the ballet and focus on the production aspect of it and like the talent. I came out with it with like a, it was a really beautiful performance, but like that till idea of like, it's almost like you have to like go in knowing that that is gonna be a thing and don't even think about it, which is like at that point, if you have to kind of like make an agreement with the audience to like, not think about that then like why do it you know like (laughs) yeah the frustrating part and this is like purposeful i think i think it also happens in the original text of lilium too is that the all of the violence except for the slap that happens on louise's hand all of that happens off 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 screen off camera off stage so you are told about it but you are not shown it which allows the audience to not I think at the time it was probably so that it was like to not let your emotions get wrapped up in what the abuse is, but more focus on like the relationship as like full concept. But I think now in just understanding like 
domestic abuse in a more holistic perspective than we did in 1945 mm-hmm. um and 19 what did i say 1903 when this was like the original play was written 1909, 1909. like i think it's it's very hard the oh, okay let's say what it is the reason the show still gets done is because this music is genuinely probably the best rogers and hammerstein score of all time that is like that is genuinely i think by and large what most of the positive reception is to this musical is like the score is uh, almost like operatic in how like grand and how much like how character based it is and like how there's like moments where I keep itching my nose I apologize um how there's moments where like uh in the song this isn't in the movie so I apologize but um, there's a song called You're a Queer One, Julie Jordan, where it kind of Carrie's ribbing uh, Julie for being like the odd duck out at the mill or whatever. And Carrie's rhythm is like an eighth notes. And then Julie's rhythm in the song is like more of dotted quarters and 16th notes. And then Billy comes in and he's whistling part of the song, but he's whistling Julie's melody. Like there's stuff like that, like melodically that is like, very well thought about like there's uh an instance of carrie and enoch who he and i wanted to talk about this a little bit later but like he interrupts her melodically because he's like putting her in her place because that relationship is like the correct one and it's like he sees her as less than and da 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 and so there's like interesting things musically that i think a lot of the most of the other Rodgers and Hammerstein musicals don't do. Um, and I think that's why people by and large still like the music, even musical, even with all the problematic context around it. That's, that's my theory. I have nothing to back this up. I have no data. I have no proof. No, I mean, I think, I think that's right. I, I would like to think that it's not that there's like a huge contingent of people who are like still just itching for a romantic domestic abuse stories. So yeah. there's like, one hopes that there's another explanation, but it just, it's just, this is my problem about like that it's too intertwined that the very thing that compels people to continue doing it to me is what is most problematic about it, yeah. which is how romantic <laughs> the music is. Which feeds into the whole romanticizing what the musical is trying to say. Yeah. yeah. Every choice you make that makes it more beautiful and more romantic makes it more problematic to me. Yeah. yeah. Um, I do think that like, as opposed to the other romantic leads of Rodgers and Hammerstein's, some we've not talked about yet, but like your Curly and Lori, your um, Emil and what is her name in South Pacific? I don't remember. Uh, like those characters. Nelly, yes. No, Nelly Forbush. Um, those ones feel more romantic to me, whereas it, and maybe it's just because like I'm trying to give myself an out, but it doesn't feel like it feels like uh, Billy and Julie are like, it's like you, it's like, um, it's like a, ba- it's like a Greek tragedy where you know it's not going to end up well. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I even it's, in this watch, I felt like because it happened so fa- and literally in the span of that one song right. is when they fall in love and decide that like, and like how quickly Julie will just say like, yeah, if I don't go home right now, then that means my job is over and I am stuck with this man. 
and this is in, initially just to have a first conversation with him. It's like it happens so quickly and so fast that yeah, I I couldn't help but think about like this is going to be a a big tragedy. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's it's really like a Phantom of the Opera story where it's it is the darkness in him that I think she is so compelled by and yeah. she she wants to be with this like really messed up dude for whatever. We don't really get much backstory on her and like what compels her to no. be this way, but I actually want to challenge even the notion that we don't see him de- abuse her on stage because uh after they've gotten married, we'll get we got to go back to the scene where they decide to get married yes. in a second, but um after they've gotten married, Billy like gets off this fishing boat that he's been working on and then he comes to see Julie and se- there's something about like, oh, I I he thinks that she's going to judge him about not having more of a full-time job and not providing for her. Mm-hmm. And he like starts this interaction by being like, well, what, you going to say something about the fact that I don't have a job and blah, blah, blah. And so he he punishes her for an opinion she has never expressed. Yeah. So it's like it's literally such a trap that like now she yeah. feels guilty as if she's done something wrong and she literally did nothing. Yeah. And he has come in and managed to yeah. make the situation where she feels bad about what's happening without having done anything but she like accepts that as if there's something and then she's like no i was just gonna say like are you hungry and i'll get you something and and it's like this dynamic where he is like constantly punishing her is abuse so it's it's like yeah they made the choice not to see not to have a see him hit her but like obviously it's in the verbal it's in the how he talks to her how he talks about her to everyone else like it's the abuse is already there. Yeah. Yeah. And the way he dehumanizes her is so clear throughout where like he's been so demeaning to her. And then as soon as he finds out she's pregnant, then he's like doting on her. And it's yeah. like he can only see her Very as this manic. like vehicle for like his emotions. And uh, either she's like beneath him or above him when she, once she's with child because women are only valuable when we're carrying babies. And... I'm spiraling out. I have to, <laughs> I have to take a break. <laughs> I truly, it's truly like if you ever need a, this is the biggest reason as to why, like, if when straight men can't process their emotions, they are truly the most dangerous thing in this world because yeah. they will use all of their power and privilege to essentially like process those emotions through really harmful ways with whatever power or privilege they have whether it's they, in, in this one it's through julie but like in in history it's like through their civilization like through what they like have power over i, I agree it spills over to lots of places but i yeah. think specifically it's often directed towards women because yeah. straight cis het men <laughs> cis and het, or, or i said straight and het um just double down men, on it you know just really often, just Ultra straight, straight men. <laughs> also straight men and also very, very straight men. Yes. Straight men get raised in this so very wait, straight toxic. Men? <laughs> Just to clarify. It's fashion. <laughs> but is it fashion? <laughs> There's this like very toxic thing that surrounds straight men, a narrative that they ha- they're forced to buy into where they're only allowed to process their emotions with women. It's like the problem where their female partners are often the only person that they express emotions to. And then mm-hmm. they like get totally isolated if they break up with their partner or right. um, 
or like they confuse relationship platonic relationships they have with women for romance because they like don't understand having an emotional connection with somebody that's not romantic it's not romantic exactly and that means that then if you have emotional issues because billy uh you know, seems to have like anger issues and he's, he's lived this very like transient life that seems like it's been hard on him. Um, so like it, it all has to get directed to Julie and Julie mm-hmm. has to deal with all of his emotions. Mm-hmm. And like, that's how their dynamic exists. And it's just like, so distressing that yeah. this is like such a common thing that exists. And so I find that incredibly frustrating. It's very upsetting. It's, it's very genuinely upsetting. very upsetting. Um, are you gonna shoot me if I play music during this episode? No, I, I cannot. It. I cannot do it if you want. No, no, no. I, I mean, I think I've, I think I've given enough caveats to the listeners that they will have, <laughs> have my warnings in mind when they yeah. listen to the music. As you listen to this beautiful overture, please know that you <laughs> are feel bad about yourself when you listen to this. Absolutely. Well, so we've talked about their kind of like love moment sequence. This is a classic Rodgers and Hammer saying trope. This is a. Uh, I'm not in love with you. In love. I'm but if love I was you. in love with you, these are the things that I would, would love do. about yeah, you. Yeah, we can't actually say it. Where yeah. I do think in this musical, that's the point. Like the, they can't say they love each other because they, you have to wait until the end. To know that to she know actually that, loves him. To know that he loved her. And she oh, loved yes. Him. Anyway, yeah. it's not great. I'm just saying that that's, it's We're textually just like, why. I, know, I, I have to, at some level, I just have to be like, I've expressed my discontent. And like, yes. So talk about the rest of it. Yeah. Um, so this Molly is, is currently punching a cutout of Adam in her <laughs> yeah. home. It's weird that you have a full life-size cutout of me in your home. With like, darts. Don't, don't, don't worry about what that was made for originally. <laughs> uh, this is If I Loved You. If I loved you Time and again I would try to say All I'd want you Well, we started with the song. I think we have to back up from the song and we have to talk about the scene that I referenced where everyone tells her he's going to steal her money and she loses her job. So what happens is Julie thinks about – she works at a mill and there's like a curfew at the mill. Mm -hmm. And her friend, Carrie, Carrie says like, we got to go. And she says, no, 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 I want to stay and talk to this carnival barker who I just met. And I'm going to lose my job, but I'm fine with that. So they go off to like a bench Job somewhere. and boarding, first of all. Like, yeah, it's all, it's like, all oh. of my security in the world. <laughs> um, they go off to like a bench to, to hang out and talk. And then her boss comes upon them. Terrible luck. Terrible luck. Yes, literally. Where he's like, hey, you're going to miss curfew. And I'm going to fire you if you don't come back to the mill right now. And she's like, yep, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to stay with this guy. And then while her boss is saying, like, are you sure about that? Then a cop walks up and is like, hey, this guy keeps stealing women's money after seducing them. Are you sure you want to be with this guy? And it is every societal force yeah. personified, the, the, the boss mm-hmm. and Institution. the state, the state both and- attempt to intervene and yeah. tell yes. her, 
do not go with this man. Right. And while I find so much of Julie's decision making impossible to sympathize with, I do I do find one thing compelling about this scene, which is how both of them are very infantilizing to her. I think one mm-hmm. of, at one point her boss even like calls her a child. Yes. And I was like, okay, I can kind of see the perspective of like my choices are a system that treats me like a child and like freedom but with abuse with yeah. Billy. And it's not a good choice, but yeah. like I do see how both of them are bad choices for her. Because also if people if I were a grown woman and people were like, young lady, you have to get back to your curfew or else you're gonna be one of the bad girls, like I can see why you would chafe against that system as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've demolished you too. You feel like you can't respond to anything. No, I mean it's it's rough. My I really wanna I mean like I'm just waiting to talk to about the ballet because I think Molly's just great. further okay. breaking my back as the I wanna talk <laughs> I just want to talk about the soliloquy and the ballet. That's like yeah, all I'm okay. waiting for. And the um, death, I think the death scene. That was I guess that was the one important thing that I wanted to say in terms of the the one thing I find compelling leading up to their song right. of like what if I loved you, blah blah blah, mm. let's get married. And truly, I guess by the time she's lost her job and been warned he's going to steal her money, marrying him at this the point now, option, she's got to make yeah. those institutions work for her. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. she's got to compel him to take care of her because she's really screwed if she doesn't, doesn't follow through with the plan at that yeah. point. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing. Like, the, what you just said, it really just keeps adding to the point that, like, they did know that this is complicated. And that was the point of, like, we're showing you how complicated this could be. I also... Yeah, I also like I, I'm try. I there's a lot of like criticism directed like I think current criticism directed toward like Rodgers and Hammerstein for doing this in general. And I think that's valid. Like, why choose this piece necessarily? Mm-hmm. But I mean, they did do. I don't know. They did the piece as it is written, except for they just like saved Billy at the end. They like allowed him to whatever be carried off to heaven. So they, it's so you're saying they, they didn't invent this romanticization of abuse idea, but they made it worse right, because right. they added music. But <laughs> right. so you're right. I mean, and they're and they're products of their time. And something yeah, I read right. said that like Hammerstein, it seems like had very traditional views of of male female relationships and his marriage based off of like letters he wrote to his wife. But not necessarily. There's no like evidence of abuse necessarily so i'm also not trying to paint them as like particularly horrific or anything um i just think that like the 40s were a different time we don't have to keep everything from that (laughs) no we sure don't don't. um so i want to move on to i'm gonna skip i want to move on period (laughs) i want to move on because i want to uh let's talk about criticism (laughs) i'm just kidding um so i want to move on to the pregnancy situation. Mm-hmm. So Julie yeah. finds out that she's pregnant. They have been married. Um, After a rowdy uh, dance about uh, June, June. And how it's busty. <laughs> oh, I have a fun diversion. Should we do a fun diversion? God, based off of that? God our please. audience is screaming for it They're, right they're waiting Nan, for a Nan and, fun. Nan and Rita are screaming, yes, please. <laughs> I feel that our podcast needs to settle once and for all, which is the lustier month? Is it May, is it May or, or is June? it June? Yeah. Because Camelot says it's May. This one says it's June. Yeah, May is, is lusty. June is busty. Okay, um, you know? I I personally, uh, it's hard because I think the the May argument was set in a different time. You know where I I feel like 
I don't know, but I think June, I just have a more romanticized view of like seaside, just fair. So like something about like a, like a hardy boatman, just to me, I get it. A sailor. Okay. I get, I get opening, opening up for, for, for a dog. curious because sailors aren't really associated with gay men. I don't know why you would. Um, yeah. You like that. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Uh, you know, men of the sea, you could say. Yeah. I think, I think <laughs> of men because June is the wedding month. So you can't be, you can't, mm-hmm. you got to be You'll lusty in May down. before you get tied down in June. Mm. Interesting. I feel compelled by June because uh, the Midwest has very long springs and this is a particularly long spring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So currently I'm not feeling particularly lusty because it's like overcast and 50 degrees every day. Absolutely. June is so, a guaranteed. Yeah, I think I think time. Midwesterners, we have to lean into the June because it's it's just unreliable. And yeah, and right. I need I need consistency in my lusty month. You know what right. I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I need to I need a dependable lust is yeah. what I'm looking for. Yeah. <laughs> Great. After that diversion, let's oh, talk about the domestic abuse. So. Which is that, Adam, you know that you are the principal dancer in this sequence, right? 100%. Yes, there absolutely. is this man who is just 100% limbs, and I just immediately wrote down yeah. Adam Noecker. Like, yeah. it was so like, you. Tucked in shirt, glasses. Um, the dweeb. The, the dweeby. The, the Eugene in Greece. Yeah. Yes, that, that type. So Julie reveals to um billy that she's pregnant and he immediately switches from being uh you know as we were talking about he was very hard on her to all of a sudden he's doting on her he's very affectionate toward her and then he goes to perform the soliloquy and i have to play the soliloquy because it's such an important piece of um musical theater canon song writing but in this song he spends like it's an eight minute long song I'm not gonna play all eight minutes but it's an eight minute long song and he spends about six minutes being like, oh, the things you can do with a boy. You can watch him run. You can watch him uh, be president. You can watch him do anything. And then he's like, but what if it's a girl? And then he's like, you can't do anything for a girl because you have to do everything for a girl. And then at the very poetry. end. Poetry. <laughs> and then at the very end, he this is when he like has the realization of like, I have to do whatever it takes in order to provide for my daughter. Fine. So this originally was just going to be he sings about having a boy and then like it's not he doesn't know that he has had a girl until he like comes down from heaven or from oh. But I guess Richard Rogers only had daughters. So he was like, I want him to like have the realization of like what if he What if it was a girl? What if it was a girl? A girl. What a, what a terrible fate that would be. Um yeah. and you know what I thought about this whole song because we live in 2022, again the worst year of everybody's lives. Mm-hmm. Um I thought about all those gender reveals where like mm-hmm. the it'll the be dad revealed is, that oh. it's a that it's a girl and the dad will like get upset or like yeah. or like make the joke of like oh rats like I oh. Um, I now am feeling like, and we've never discussed whether you two are interested in having children, but I do need you to do that because I would like you two to do a very camped up drag version of this soliloquy at a gender reveal party <laughs> for a child that you're going to have. And also what I love about it is that, is that in my mind, you're going to be adopting a kid and everyone will know their gender ahead of, they'll be like five yes, and everyone yeah. will know their gender, but you will adopt them and then do a gender reveal 
where you sing the song as part of the process. See, um, that is an appropriate uh, example of how to do carousel. Only in this specific, we are the only people. I said you can do concert version. You can yes, take pieces absolutely. individually. One just can't do it holistically anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's a way to satirize gender reveals through doing this song. Or maybe we should just, maybe it's just as simple as we make a video where we take the audio of this song and then we just, we just have clips of gender reveals that have been posted online. <laughs> and Sasha Velour does it. That's what's happening behind her while she has an amazing yes. costume. Uh, there's, there's something here. We're workshopping. The rose we'll petals under her wig are either mm -hmm. pink or blue. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> she, she lifts a tiny hat to reveal the house that it's either pink or blue. And then she'll say that it's a statement for women everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid. Um, so when we saw the when we saw Carousel on Broadway with Joshua Henry, who won the Tony, by the way, who won, won the Tony. He won um, Best Actor. I cried a, the whole show, but this song specifically, I thought it was so good. I really do like removing removing everything from it. I like a song in which you can have a full breadth of like character discovery. And yes. I think this is like, in terms of musical theater history, this is a song in which we are like actually ad fully advancing the plot through the song itself. Mm. Like we are literally telling the story through the plot. We're not just stopping to take a break and like sing about a clam, clam bake. <laughs> no, I'm excited for that. Oh <laughs> girl, you know. <laughs> You know I'm ready for Artie's a clam favorite bake. song was clam bake. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. um, I think it might be mine as well. Yeah, continue. Um, but I do want to play a little bit of it. My little girl Pink and white as peaches and cream is she My little girl is half again as bright as girls are meant to be Dozens of boys pursue her Many a likely lad Does what he can to her From her faithful um, And I do want to say one thing before we move on from the soliloquy. I don't think his... I think his fear is annoying because it's very like gender rolesy in what he thinks he can do is for it, a son versus it? a daughter. But I don't think he's like, what would I do for her? I don't <laughs> want a daughter. I, I don't get that feeling from the song that it's like, I, I would rather have a son. I think it's more of the like, I feel like I'm not as good because. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's as progressive yeah, yeah. as all those men who are like, well, I care about women's rights because I have a sister because, you know, <laughs> there's a woman that's in relationship to me. So therefore I care. Um, you have I a wife and daughters. Brave. Brave. How brave. Brave. How brave. <laughs> um, Feminist icon as wife and daughter. <laughs> I mean, it's I, I agree, actually, that from a purely plot driven perspective, the mm. the, the song uh, holds a role, as I've as I expressed previously, <laughs> I think. I think that um, it's like it 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 becomes a parody of itself and like this the satirization of of everything about straight culture mm -hmm. and it mm -hmm. makes me think of all the heteros whose brains are broken because they buy their babies onesies that say like I'll be a heartbreaker one day but they they'll die if their 
third grader has a book that has two dads in it um because that that's that's a uh, indoctrination but all of the things that they do daddy's little of girl course, children in general that's not indoctrination absolutely um it does remind me as well of one of my favorite slash worst family stories that was relayed to me by my aunt which is that granny my mom's mom um so apparently so my uncle joe is like six two he's like pretty pretty big guy but when he was like a late teenager he was kind of a late bloomer in terms of getting a growth spurt so he was like kind of little and scrawny for a long time and my mom and her sisters are all very small dainty women but they all went through sort of a phase in their 20s where they were a little bit bigger and there was apparently a day where they were all having dinner and my grandmother just said you know i always wanted some dainty girls and big strong boys and i got just the opposite Oh yeah, Jesus Christ! That's from the Carousel stock right yeah. there. That's from the School of Carousel. So this song really made me think of Granny uh. and uh, <laughs> some opinions she had that weren't uh. weren't the best, but yeah. uh, we loved her. She's a great. She was a great gal. So we're moving on. Um, the I want to talk a little bit about um, Carrie and Enoch and their romantic relationship yes. as as contrasted to Julie, Julie and Billy. Um, so Carrie is Julie's um, seemingly best friend uh, and Enoch Snow is her beau. Um, a herring boat owner. A herring boat mm-hmm. owner. He smells like fish. Um, Which don't they all, they kept making it like herring's the worst type of fish. Uh, I wouldn't be caught dead working on a herring boat. It's like, girl, it's it's fish. You all smell the same. Yeah, I don't. I'm I don't not, get that. I don't, that I must be a super near. in. You know, the Connecticut people are like, oh, mm. <laughs> they're really. Con- they're Connecticut cutters are just <laughs> laughing it up. That local one. jokes get you local Connect- work. Connecticut cut in the rug. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Um, uh. <laughs> so uh, there is like a fascinating. I don't think you're supposed to want to be either couple. Because I do also think that the way Carrie and Enoch are presented, especially at the end when she has nine children mm-hmm. and he's an asshole, like he's like a dick in just like a generic way. Yeah. I don't think I don't think he's a dick to her, but I think in general he's like a little a little full of himself. Yeah. In, I, in I think so. Yeah. I think in the late 40s, you were supposed to want to be them. Yeah. Yeah. They're the suburbs. That's what you want to be. They're the normies. They're, yeah. 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 They're sub they're the suburbs. They're the suburbs. They're normies. They're Highland Park. Yeah. Um they're Naperville. Honey. So I just think that's uh, I like them as a foil and that they're also from not the same character names, but they're also from the original play. So I I like that there's that foil to uh mm. the Julie Julie Billy. Billy. Um, love story. Anyway, we're moving on to this. I was do a love real their nice song. Album. I thought their song was really cute. When the children are asleep. Yeah, I think it's a shorter version in the movie, right? Than the play or than the musical. Yes, they cut a verse in the movie. I think that a big role that they're meant to play is that they are stability, whereas mm-hmm. Billy and Julie are very much unstable. And so they have this vision of like, we will get together we will have a bunch of children we'll be mom and dad we'll live in the suburb like it's just very what's expected and that that's meant to be the positive alternative to billy and julie also the only other thing i could think about watching this movie is like i don't know how old these characters are supposed to be but because everyone was so young when they like got married back in the day i could only think that like 
all four of these characters are like 19 years old and I wanted to hurl myself into a volcano. The idea of like getting married at 19 is so scary to me. Yeah. And I, I have out been with RJ yeah. since I was 21. But like and you also met when you were 18. And we, yes, 18, we 19, met when we were 18. Yeah. But we didn't start dating that, Molly. <laughs> we were just roommates, we were just Molly. Roommates, Molly. Roommates can hug. Roommates can hug and cuddle. <laughs> Anything to say? Anyway, um, no, I just think they're fine. It's I just crazy to me. Nobody, nobody, I think, in this musical in which the time period and like, I don't, whatever, we don't know enough, obviously, but like, it doesn't seem like anybody has reached full um, brain development at 25 yet. So just yeah. keep that in mind. Yeah. It's real horrifying think, out here. I think they fit into, to me of like this, the heightened straight couple that like is in every musical. And so right. like, yeah, it's crazy, but it's not crazier than Guys and Dolls is. And right. although I've established that I enjoy that. I feel there's a wink and a nod in Guys and Dolls that it's yeah. definitely not out there in Carousel. Sure but like th their level of being off the wall straights is uh, within the genre. Whereas I feel that Billy and Julie have uh, crossed over to a place that's that's not cool anymore. I'm going to sneeze. Um, so we're moving on to this was a real nice clam bake. RJ? Mm -hmm. The entire time I just wanted to gorge on these clams and lobsters. And mm -hmm. Molly, I cannot explain to you how much I love shellfish. I truly love shellfish. <laughs> Molly, Molly, as I sit I, on my fainting couch. My chaise lounge, my fainting couch. As I am laying here on my chaise, I, I cannot. Recumbent. I, I cannot describe to you. Somebody fetch the smelling salts. How much I love shellfish. The first time Adam and his mother saw me eat crab legs was truly like a horrifying they they were talking and then halfway through stopped just to watch me because i was fully enraptured with sucking these crab yeah, legs it's the sucking it's the sucking that's the problem <laughs> and they were like and then like i finished the whole plate and i was about to get more and they were like are you okay I'm like yeah just... we were at an all you can eat and they had crab legs and so rj took that to heart yeah. And so this number, I feel like will go down in history as RJ's like ultimate favorite musical theater number. Wow. I was fully being ironic when I said it was my favorite song. And I'm sorry that I, I, failed I can't you in this, but I know I, I liked it because I felt that this was a real nice clam bake was really vying with look at the fireworks for most boring oh, lyric that anyone could ever write. <laughs> they were like, we have to write a song about a clam bake and we have to like say they had a nice time. So and, let's like, just, how would, what happens would in a clam bake? That? I'm just not sure how quite to it capture nice. that it was like, it was a nice clam bake. So I guess they would just say, um, that was a real nice clam bake. So, so wait. No, that's it. That's <laughs> it. Hammerstein, you've done it again, you son of a bitch. You son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, bitch, you did it again. Um, so uh. what if I told you that this song is not originally from this musical, but it is no. originally from Oklahoma. What do you think the song was called in Oklahoma? This was a real nice corn. It's uh, not food. It's not food. Real nice rodeo. No, uh, RJ. Real nice. What are they line dance like a square dance? No. Anything else? Any other ideas? Because Oklahoma's not like. Would you say it's like a South 
term or is it more like a rural term? Um, it's a rural term. Mm. Cool. Cow tipping. <laughs> this was a real nice hayride. Ah, <laughs> classic. Classic. <laughs> And they were like, gosh, that, that lyric is too good for us to lose. We got to keep that song. The for template else. of that was a real nice blank. That's we'll go. I wish they had done it one in every musical. <laughs> <laughs> for state fair, it's, this was a real nice state fair. Oh my God. This was a real nice Bally High. This was a real nice Austria. This is, this is a real nice ball thrown by the prince in order to find a wife. <laughs> <laughs> no, Cinderella just descends from the carriage. She thinks that was a real nice carriage as, we she, don't... as she walks over. We don't see the ball. We just hear about it afterwards. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. We don't see Cinderella at the ball at yeah. all. Never see any of that. The most boring face. part of Cinderella is her at the ball and, and the prince seeing her. So let's just <laughs> completely skip that. I also have zero concept in my brain of what the song, the lyrics, or like the melody of the song is. So I keep wanting to sing along to make it funnier, yes. but I can't tell you at all what the song is. It's, like, it's like, like, remember when we picked out the lobster and the butter was real good too yes it's, it's very like that. that right <laughs> we've got some clams they are here it was a real nice clam bake yeah it's that literally <laughs> um it's a great opener to act two that's all i'll say remember when we raked them red hot lobsters out of the driftwood fire they sizzled and crackled and sputtered a song Fitting for an angel's choir. Fitting for an angel's, fitting for an angel's, fitting for an angel's choir. We slid them down the back and peppered them good and doused them in melted butter. Then we tore away the claws and cracked them with our teeth. Uh, Those lobster were, were, were real on the red. island. There were some real red rob lobster. Jigger and Billy Bigelow have decided that they're going to go back to the mainland while everybody's on the island for the party and go rob our our friend from the mill, the the stand-in for capitalism, the boss. This was so oh, dumb. I miss it. It was the boss. Wait, but before, are we going to talk about what's the use of wondering before we talk about the? Uh, well, I, yeah. I I am. I'm just gonna. I was gonna tell you what the plan was, and then oh, I was sure. gonna say go before yeah. they go. Or they go. Okay. So they're on the island. Everybody splits up to do scavenger hunt. And then they go off and Julie notices them leave and then sings a song called What's the Use of Wandering? Yes. Molly, Molly. you've raised your hand in the Zoom. I'd like to call on you, Molly. I, I'm sorry. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't mean to. I was trying to click on something else to raise my hand in Zoom. She was I trying was like, to end the call. Think... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I need to leave. I'm now. sorry. I have a hard stop. <laughs> I have a hard out. Uh... No, I'm going to put this in the chat. So uh, this is the lyrics to What's the Use of Wondering? Oh, I, I... Um, because I would like us to play a game called What's the Worst Lyric in This Song? <laughs> oh, yes, <laughs> absolutely. This, this song is very reminiscent to um, at the end of Kiss Me, Kate, they turned the final uh, monologue that Katerina has in Taming of the Shrew into a song. Mm -hmm. um, and so this is a very similar moment where it's like... Uh, women should should be subservient to men be subservient to men. not even just subservient but um it's not worthwhile to question whether or not the person you're with is a good person or not because you love him so there's nothing you're gonna you can't do anything about the fact 
he's a bad person because you love him and therefore have to stay with him. On There's one no other hand, choice. I applaud her subverting the trope that women are able to fix their men. I do like that she's not implying that that can happen. Everything else is bad. Everything else apart from that is boo bad. My favorite part about the song is that she is singing this and no one is convinced. All the women around oh, her in the movie looking at her is looking like, at her is like, girl, stop. It, they're like, isn't, isn't that Julie? Doesn't she get hit by her husband? Yeah, it's very that energy. It's very that everyone is looking at her like, girl, you do you know embarrassing. Yes. We sit, all know. Sit down and eat your clam. I think the worst line <laughs> is something made him the way that he is, whether he's false or true. him the things that are his one of those things is you which i feel is communicating hey life is complicated and who knows why men have anger issues but one of the things that's contributing to his anger issues is you so you probably have to deal with that fact that's what i get out of that line what do you two think it's not good anywhere honestly I think the worst line is Julie, parentheses, feels the knife under his shirt. Billy! (laughs) (sighs) Ain't got time to fool with women tonight. Come on, Jigger. That's the next line, just so Uh, everybody knows. um, That one's pretty bad, yep. I like there is like a, a, a classic theatrical way in the way the song ends where all the girls sing... I do feel like is like a direct nod to being like, this won't end well. This is Cassandra's. uh, This is Cassandra, honey. Telling us what the future is going to be. Coming to the stage, Cassandra. I also want to throw in for honorable mention that on this stlyrics.com rendition of the song, it says that it starts with the girl saying, tell it to her good, Julie, tell it to her good, which does this sort of makes it seem like maybe the girls are on board with the message. If that's how we begin the song. Yeah, there is like a weird, um, there's like a weird, uh, what is the name of the matron in this movie? Uh, in this Nettie. Story? Nettie. Mm-hmm. She does this, there was a line in this clam bake where she was like, it felt like she owned all the women or like she like had power and control over all the women. This is Aunt Eller in Oklahoma. <laughs> this is Mother Abbas in Sound of Music. They use this same yeah. stock character yeah. in every yeah. show and every show. She's the best one. That's the secret. <laughs> That's the secret, guys, is every show. It's uh, Bloody Mary in South Pacific. Uh, show one strong woman. There's nothing actually, more to oh, say. Oh, no, there is one in King and I. It's, it's yeah, the it's oldest. The, yeah. Uh, Lunta. Wife. Yeah. Wife. Yeah. yeah. Head wife. Head wife of the many wives. We're going we're gonna to talk about that one too, Molly, one day. That one I feel is less. 
I feel like that one's more Rotten aware. It's core. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. One... Plenty of bad stuff, but plenty of bad plenty stuff. of bad stuff. Plenty Not of colonial bad stuff. Right. <laughs> okay, well, this was a fun little game. Really um, good game, everyone. Thank you so much for playing. Jigger and Billy go back to the docks. They're going to rob um the boss. Uh they're waiting for him to arrive. So they start to play a, a card game in which they're already betting the money that they're going to steal. Um <sighs> this this is like really okay, Jigger's like bad. Like bad, bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you get like a worse scene. than Billy, apparently. Yep. Yeah, because you get a scene of him like taking advantage of Carrie, like trying to like feel her yes. up or whatever, and it kind of causes like a little kerfuffle in the in the clam bake to kind of color that he is not a good guy. Right. Unlike Billy, who's like because it's it's for th- to support this new baby girl, uh, possibly. Yeah, he loves Julie, so it's all okay. Yeah. It's virtuous. Yeah. Um, so they play this card game. Billy basically loses all the money that he would Girl. win by doing that. This everything's bad. They go to rob the guy. He has a gun. He has a pistol. So they are out outmatched by a pistol versus their two little knives. Calls the policeman Outgunned, over. Gunned, outmanned. Jigger runs away. Um and does he get shot by the by? Yes, I think he, he shoots shot. him. Right? Guy's shooting at him, but then I feel like later he has a line like, "Oh, the other guy got away" or something. I don't yeah, know. I it was confusing. So yeah. Um, we we're not sure. Uh, and when when we find out Jigger went to hell, we don't really know if it was for this or he died at another right. point. We don't really know. Um, but uh, Billy tries to escape, um, and he falls on his knife. And now, this is familiar. Dies. Um. Yes, it's very similar to how poor Judd uh, dies in Oklahoma. However, would... in the original musical, I do want to point out in the original play, he, in order to escape, he just commits suicide. So it is not an accident. Yes. It is purposeful so as to not um, be caught. Yeah. I wish they had kept it. Um, I would like to say that this has my favorite line of the movie, which is where he's climbing up the crates and the guy who's pursuing him with the gun goes, where do you think you're escaping to? The sky? <laughs> and I think it's pretty sick to burn someone that hard when you're about to, to kill them kill for them. trying to steal from you. Um, I think that's pretty good. But yeah, I think, gosh, if you're going to go this dark with your musical, like, keep keep the suicide part. It's yeah. kind of going, funny you know that they I mean? were like, that's too dark. This one I thought we it felt more that. like very yeah. 1950s Hollywood where they were like, well, we can't show someone committing suicide on screen. So, well, you know what I mean? Like yeah. very Hays Code era. Um, so he dies. Uh, everybody at that exact moment um, arrives from the island, and Carrie, or no, I'm sorry, Julie comes across him and cries over his dead body. And then Nettie comes over to sing uh, You'll Never Walk Alone. And here is You'll Never Walk Alone.
Wow, Jordan Sparks sounds so good in that. I promise you I'm not playing the Jordan Sparks version. <laughs> um, I think this song is really good. And it's funny to me because as I was researching this, it's almost become like a hymn in many, like like people will, they'll, churches will like do this song like choirs and churches will do this song huge the liverpool football club and liverpool like this is their song um pretty operatic for a football anthem okay yeah because i guess there's some liverpool band that like covered it at one point and they Mm. just started singing it um adam your favorite reference so my so bts actually referenced carousel in a music video called spring day um in which it's about it really doesn't have anything to do with anything um uh there are uh, illusions that some folks have made to the fact that the spring day music video by bts is to in honor of the students that lost their lives in the sawal uh fairy tragedy in south korea um this has never been confirmed by bts or anybody else but um in the video, there is a shot of one of the members in front of like one of those like carousel, like swing set carousels. Yeah. Like one of those. And then it says you'll never walk alone on it. And it's like very dingy and beat up. So there, there's like a little nod and a reference to carousel. What is this fairy accident you're talking about? I don't know about it. So this I'm saying it wrong. The S-E-W-O-L fairy tragedy was a tragedy. It was a fairy accident in 2012 2013 i don't remember what year specifically but we'll link it in the show notes um there's a new york times article about it um basically it was a fairy that had like gotten a leak and started uh uh started sinking and it was ferrying a bunch of students from one part of south korea to another and the captain and all of the like crew just like left all the students to die and they like yeah like 130 teenagers like all lost their lives in this horrific tragedy and um there's a lot there's a lot of fascinating information about it and it's a truly devastating and uh there were it it ended up actually leading to the president at the time like resigning Mm -hmm. um because it was like connected back to the fact that the ferry hadn't been checked and like people in the government had been paid off to like not check this ferry and like there was like a bunch of like cover-up style stuff there were like coast guard that weren't like letting like people who own their own like personal boats to like go and try to help get them out and like it was because they were trying to say everything was fine and it was like really terrible anyway yeah there's like a reference in it there's a very deep rabbit hole if anybody wants to go onto the internet and find how the bts song spring day is connected to this but yeah but i think it still connects to the idea that like this song has kind of gotten a life of its own of like uh marching on through life without after getting through like a major loss yeah tragedy and continuing on and and yeah like i said before i I don't have any issue with this song i think being abstracted out because i think even its use in the only reason i don't like it in the musical is that the person she's grieving over is so terrible but like i i can get over that i think i think it's appropriate to pull this song out of it and it is a very stirring melody for sure so oh so brave of you molly thank you so much <laughs> i can admit where there's something <laughs> the carousel good. community thanks you. Thank you carousel thank you um i do though and this um 
I guess weirdly ties into what I now know about this fairy tragedy. Um, I want to present to you as I was watching the whole clam bake sequence and, and all of this. Uh, it reminded me of a theory that I developed in this music theater class that I took that I referenced earlier, which is that mm. water acts in musicals as forests act in Shakespeare shows. Oh. Where the forest is this place in Shakespeare where people can go and sort of like get away from society and it's sort of a liminal space yes. where they can explore away from the rules. And I feel that water serves a similar function in musicals where it is like this place that you cross over to have this like a little bit more um, freewheeling and like exploratory things. So they like go over to the clam bake where like Jigger kind of like flirts with the rules and stuff like this, mm. right? And so – I have a couple of musicals to list. So there's this, obviously, set, set by the water. There's a lot of, like, coming and going across the water. Showboat, the first ever integrated musical. Pirates of Penzance, South mm -hmm. Pacific, Anything Goes. There are a lot of musicals that are set, like... Titanic, the, the musical. Titanic. Although that one is obviously has, like, a <laughs> less direct line. But, yeah, there's a lot of musicals that are, like, either Hamilton. on a boat or, like, at the beach. Oh, yeah, like, start out at the port. He's, like, arriving to America, Well, yeah, right? but even, like, the idea that you have to cross the water to go to New Jersey to, like, duel because you can't duel yes. in New York. Yeah, so I feel that this is... Um, RJ, a you got one off the top of your theme. head? Mm, no. There's the fountain she um, flicks water in in, so in Sound of Music. There you go. There's, There's water. The, the fountain in uh, Havana, Cuba. In Guys and Dolls, yes. where she sings, they go if over the water. They go, go over, over the water, water to, to go, go to Cuba. 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 Yes. Very interesting. That's interesting. I like that idea. Yeah. Um, so we can watch some pre some future future musicals. Uh, we'll mind. we'll cover everyone's drama. Meet. I don't think there's any. <laughs> I don't think there's water in Dear Evan Hansen, but there is a forest in Dear Evan Hansen. Very famously, there's yeah. a forest. Well, yeah, you know, they I wanted to. They wanted to be closer to Shakespeare, I think. Right. That's so, yeah. So classic. So classic. It's such a classic Greek tragedy type of yeah. <laughs> if only they had added water, that really would have fixed everything about Darwin Hansen. Yeah. It might fall down in Camelot as well. I don't think that there's because they're really not near water in Camelot. No, but Camelot's surrounded by woods. So yeah, Camelot's it almost, got the forest. It so almost it's, has... it's gotta be forest or water. Those are, yeah. those are the one two the options yeah. in theater. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. Um, I like that. So we cut to Billy. He's up dead in the sky. Um, he gets this chance. They give him a chance to go back to save his kinfolk. We realize it's his daughter, Louise. She's now 16. Um, and we watched the dream ballet. So uh, much like Oklahoma, we get a dream ballet sequence. Um, Just a little run of DeMille. And does anyone dance. want to summarize it or are you <laughs> going to leave it up to me? <laughs> Thank you. Good pun. Thank you. The ballet? Yeah. Le ballet? Le ballet? Um, you bet. Julie is a freewheeling young lady Louise, and Louise. she... <laughs> I can't summarize it. Louise is, is kind of a, um, a little punk and she mm -hmm. likes being on the beach and playing with the boys and having fun. The beach? And then... Water. Yes, well, I already said that it was in oh. this, but yes, it is. Um... But then she gets uh, looked down upon by, I believe, first one of the children of Enoch and Carrie. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then we sort of see that translated into other people shaming her for, it seems and like And they both... say the word shame. 
it seems like there's also this element of like her maybe not fitting gender roles that she like wants to be this adventurous young lady yes. and like not not She's be like, like all pretty and prim yeah. but also there's this like your father was a thief and and everybody looks down on her for it mm. um and then we see the carnival come to town and we see the carousel and the dancers become carousel horses which mm-hmm. you two i remember referencing in the live show was a quite moment effective Stunning. and i thought quite. it was pretty beautiful even on film that was one yeah. of the things that i was begrudgingly appreciating when yeah. watching this yeah. was how beautiful the carousel dancers are so we see the carousel come to town julie um falls in love with one of the carousel workers very much in a parallel with what happened to her mother and she was like wow look at that young hugh jackman i must fall in love with him i don't know that there is there more i i and then it's sort of it's a little confusing how exactly the plot lays out because it sort of seems like that he goes away and she gets shamed for having like interacted with them interacted with him but then when we get back to like we're out of the ballet and we're in a regular straight scene, then she's talking about running away with the guy. So it was a little confusing exactly the order of events of like, does the ballet foreshadow some of the plot at some point or it, or is this exactly what happened? Yeah. So I was a little confused about exactly what it was communicating about like her status of her relationship with this new carnival guy. I think it's easier to understand dream ballets on stage more than it is. I think we take movies so literally because they yeah. do such, they try so hard to be more literal than a stage can be. So I think it's, I think you lose something in that regard, but basically the end of the dream ballet is she like, he tosses her to the side because he seems like she's too young. And then she tries to go and like go to, she goes back to the Enox and tries to get into the party. And they're like, no, you're, you're not one of us either. And then she's like, everything kind of happens and she's caught between both worlds and she doesn't fit into either. Um, and then that's kind of where she ends up on the on the wheel turning. The we- the carousel of her own making. Uh, mm, lost in her emotions. Um, I love a dream ballet. And that's really all I had to say. We can move on. Yes, Adam is a is a simp for a dream, any, a simp for any use of like the dream ballet trope. Like yes. he loves it. Anytime it's employed, I think it's great. What do you find compelling about dream ballets? Um, I love the idea as a dancer, you know, as I a think- dancer. It actually doesn't even need to be just a dance. I mean, normally it is because the it has been set by this trope of it being a ballet. But like, even when there's a song where it's like it's all happening in one's head or whatever, um, <clears throat> I just like this this really abstract idea being able to be understood by like everybody, like. I think the idea of like having a dream ballet is so interesting and unique and like specifically shouldn't work. And the fact that it does work and works to oftentimes great effect. And when it's employed really well, um, I always just really applaud anyone who like tries to do it because Mm -hmm. it's, it's, I think it's hard to do. And if it's done right, it's like really cool and helps the show progress sometimes not necessarily faster but like more interestingly than if we just sat through like three more talking and singing scenes like it's like another level of dynamism that theater is allowed to do that other art forms cannot do Mm. yeah we really stopped doing dream ballets 
kind of quickly though, didn't we? Because I'm trying to think about like what's the latest musical that has oh. Singing in the Rain has a dream ballet. Mm-hmm. Um, West Side has a dream ballet. Um, we definitely stopped putting them on film. Like full actual dream ballets. Um, but I think in lo- even in uh, musicals, there are still like songs that are uh, someone's dream is happening. Like even Young Frankenstein has a dream ballet sequence. It's not mm-hmm. a ballet, but it's like a song that's happening in his head. Um, I think it is often used more in that format now. Yeah. Um, but I, I always really enjoy it. I always think it's fun. I think I love a reference to classic musical theater. And nobody more than musical theater composers love to reference classical musical theater. So it's an extremely insular genre for sure. Very much so. Yeah. Um, let's move on to the end. And let's talk about it. So uh, Billy appears. appears. He brings a star from where he was. Um, he talks to Louise. He doesn't see Julie. Uh, he tries to give Louise the star. She doesn't want to take it because he's a stranger. He slaps her hand. She screams. He disappears. Uh, Julie runs out. And he... Uh, that's when you get the line of like, but it didn't... It felt like a kiss. The slap felt like a kiss. And Julie's like, yeah, sometimes that happens. Somebody will hit you and hit you and it'll feel the great. The fact that they kept saying it over and over again was truly like like nails on a chalkboard. Because it, it was so it bad. felt like I got hit, but the hit felt like a cloud or like kiss. Isn't that crazy when being hit can feel like that? And Julie's like, yes, like a hit like that does feel like that when you get hit. I'm like, please stop saying the words. We got it. Yeah. We literally got it. But for some reason, they just like kept trying to like nail. I mean, even in that the lines that you said from the original play, like it kept it 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 kept being kind of yeah yeah. I would like to talk about some stage shows and how they tried to deal with the lines yes. in more contemporary productions. Mm-hmm. So I read this article by Lori Weiner from 2018, which was as a new Broadway production. So this might have been the one that you saw at the Imperial Theater in Manhattan. Does that sound right? Sure. Okay. Was it Rodgers well, and Hammerstein's Carousel? Was that the title? Yes. Yep. That's yeah. what we saw. Oh, oh, I guess I don't. I, I got what you're saying. I don't know. I don't remember oh. from the article. There was a production done in 2018 where they cut those lines. So I don't know if you remember. I don't remember saw... those lines. I don't remember, oh, but okay. maybe that's why I didn't have like that feeling of like, oh, they didn't really. I don't yeah. Know. No. So they cut those lines. And but Weiner, who's writing the article, argues that like it doesn't necessarily help that much because the love story is so interwoven with the mm-hmm. music and it's it's so in the plot. Um, and she contrasted it to a 1993 London national production, which then in 1994 came to Lincoln Center, mm-hmm. uh, which I guess was very popular. And that that one really like leaned into the original source material and this like very unsettling version of a carnival, which is like mm. the idea that like, especially at the turn of the century, like carnivals were a very seedy place mm-hmm. to be. Um, so that was really popular. And apparently, so she interviewed the director of that 1993 production for her article um and he said 
in retrospect, he regrets not deleting the dialogue. Um, but then she went back and watched an archival recording of it. And she was saying, I don't know if he forgot that he did this or if he felt like it just didn't make up for it. But he staged it so that Billy is on stage and he's like shaking his head while they say those lines mm. as if to say like, Billy has learned that that's not mm. right. And like somebody is commenting about the fact that like these lines are they think not that the that's, truth. Yeah, they, they think that that's right. Or like they think that's, yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how I feel. Okay, so I think that's an interesting choice. I like, obviously, having some sort of commentary, not letting the lines just live. Is, is I don't right. think just letting the lines live is, is the right choice, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess that a problem I have with it then is that it's, like, so about Billy and his knowledge instead of and, – and I mean, like, it, it, like, the musical is about Billy. Billy is the protagonist of this, mm-hmm, right? Yeah. He is the one that makes change. We're following his story. Mm-hmm. Um. But I, I don't know how I feel about the idea that, like, well, Julie and Louise will continue to have this really problematic idea of love, but, like, mm. Billy learned his lesson, so that's what's important. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know if there's any way to solve it. I kind of actually said that at the very beginning. <laughs> this is not a very interesting argument. I almost about. wish that, like, if they're making changes, then it's like, then do you change? Do you change further at later when they're at the graduation and like Billy does have one final chance to reach out to them even though they, he can't make himself visible he can just like kind of talk in their ear hopefully they can understand one final message and I wonder if if that is more of an opportune place where if we are changing or if we are modifying could you do it there too to kind of show that like yeah because I understand like Billy it does it's kind of moot if if Billy realizes that it's wrong, you still have two people that are affected and have to go on their lives now fully affected. Like I, but if, but if, but if the fix was to revert back to, okay, let's say we go all the way back to the original source material and the show ends right there. And Billy is clear, not just like maybe he's let off and we don't know where he goes, but like like, he he goes to hell, like Satan himself comes out and is like, yeah, like takes him off stage hello um like maybe because uh, like then your audience like you go for like full brecht and you make it like your audience is fully aware that they are like watching something and And they begin to slowly take apart the carousel someone walks across the stage and it says the moon yeah 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 Yeah. um the ladder appears again like and instead you, of stars, they start tearing down lights. <laughs> like it's hard because I think I think it would be more I think it would be more un, I like that Billy would go to hell. Yeah. Fine. I don't have a problem with that. It gives more of a Greek strategy. But I tragedy also like in Carousel, I like that. I don't like that Billy is like rewarded for like helping, but I mm-hmm. do like that Louise like is given the moment to like be accepted and like everyone sings together. We'll never walk alone. The reprise. Like I'd like that. It does end with like them not being mired in tragedy. Yeah. I think so. I think there are actually two endings. So, well, so there's these lines, which as I said, I think are like the thesis of the show, but then Billy goes to the graduation and then he whispers to both Louise and to Julie and his message to Louise is like, 
don't be held back by who your father was. Keep going and like make your own path, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That I think is great. I don't have any issue with that part of the what the musical is saying. And then he tells Julie he loves her. But then he tells Julie he loves her. And that, yeah. I mean, it's hard to be worse than the kiss hit lines, but yeah. like it's, it's almost worse. It's it's up there because what that tells us is that the question, the central dramatic question of this piece was meant to be, but could he really love her if he hits her? And the answer is yes. 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 Yeah. yeah. And that's what's important. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if you love her, Billy. Right. That's not what's important. So that I think is yeah. pretty, again, it seems pretty unsolvable. Yeah. Uh, Unless we do it. And then in that scene, he's like, Louise, make your own path. Julie, I am so sorry. I will escort myself to hell now. (laughs) To hell, absolutely. Yeah. And that's when Satan appears. Played by RuPaul RuPaul Charles. (laughs) Yeah. If you can't hit yourself, how the hell are you going to hit somebody else? (laughs) Can I get a a nay man up in here? (laughs) Now let the music play. To the moon. Everybodyvote.org. To the moon. Vote.gov. Vote.gov. I want to take you my way. That'll be our drag performance of of Carousel when we renew our vows. Yeah, so um, I want to say I really liked Weiner's article up until the very end, at which point she says she talks about love and forgiveness, and then she invokes the Lin-Manuel Miranda use of love is love is love is love is love is love is love. love, love, The worst thing Lin-Manuel Miranda ever did was like say that quote. I shouldn't say that. It was very important for the moment (sighs) and we were in culturally, but we need to stop referencing it. As No, finish your thought. I don't know. What's your issue with it? It just I, has become, I hate that it's just become like it's just a become phrase, like the generic phrase of like anymore. equality. Like I, it, I think it the out night of context. He said it, yes. it was so profound because we had just had it's polls post, happen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and since then, all context has been removed, and it's just like corporations throwing on love is love is love onto like gotcha. a, a Instagram post. It was it was horrific. a good moment that's been taken out of context and is yes. has lost its meaning. Gotcha. Yes. Okay, she uses this. She references it and then says, Hammerstein knew one form of love is forgiveness and that forgiveness is hard and fraught and not without its cost. Some of us will weep. Sorry. Some of us will weep at all of that too. Um, that line is about LGBTQ equality and the fact yeah. that love between two people of the same gender is equally valid as people with different genders. And yeah. to somehow invoke it in a story about abuse is to me... Yeah. All kinds of problematic. I mean, I, I it's very clear why there's not pro-abuse. I want to make that clear. But, like, I don't think saying, like, but this is a form of love. Again, I think that's the wrong message to take from this, everybody. Yeah, yeah because Billy never seeks forgiveness because I don't think he... You know what I mean? Like, does he, he never admits fault. Does he ever admit the, like, yeah, what I do is bad? I think he knows it. He learns that lesson, but he just doesn't admit it to the person that he's doing all the violence to. And it ends up just being like, okay, if forgiveness is like what you want to do, then that still puts it on the quote unquote, like the victim to be like it. I have to be okay with what happened to me and to forgive the person that did this to me and not putting the responsibility to the person that was abusing, you know, like it still goes back to that. 
we we prosecute we like punish the people we expect the victims to like to 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 be able to come off of it but we never fully like i don't know like punish like behavior that started and if he did learn it it's within like 10 seconds before the musical ends right because he's literally walking to hell we never see him like deal with it like he reacts negatively when louise is frightened by the hit but then immediately gets this reassurance of like but it felt great when you did it so like i don't like we don't have any time to to process him processing that what he's done is wrong and like what is wrong with his brain why does he hit louise that's also my question. She's totally freaked out by him. And then he hits her hand in response to her trying to run away. Cause like that can only be read to me as like a corrective gesture of like, no, that's yeah. not right. what you're supposed to do. Right. I, I don't want you to re- leave. So you can't like what possible. It's not like there's like a reason. Yeah. That's like a miss. It's not like a misunderstood interaction or something. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. So I'll say one more thing, which is that I also read an article by Katie Donovan, which was making an art, uh, an argument that was interesting that Carousel should be read as like a post-war musical in much the same way that Oklahoma is a during war musical of like mm-hmm. rah, rah, hur- mm. hooray America. I saw this The too. Carousel is about like dealing with PTSD and that Billy could be read as like a veteran surrogate and like the, the men who would come home and, and have all these issues and whatever. And I think... She made a good case, but fundamentally women's pain has been used as a metaphor for long enough. So yep. I yes. don't yep. I'm not interested in engaging with it fully. But Donovan, it was it was a good argument and I won't use it to justify anyone ever seeing a carousel. Um I also saw, I mean, like just being about the war itself in general, I think it's just like very a very fascinating time that both Oklahoma and Carousel opened like in the middle of World War II. Um there was like when I was researching it, when they were trying to find the cast for the original production in 45, they found the leads pretty easily, but they said they had a really hard time finding ensemble members because there were they like were so drafted. many men who were drafted men, yeah. and so many men had died that like they had this like dark joke of being like, just find me men who are alive. That's all I need. And it's like, yikes. I mean, yeah. it's just like a, it's just like a full time we cannot understand currently. Uh, yeah, it was it was during World War Two, but it opened only 19 days before V.E. Day. Yeah. Which was why she was making this argument that even though it was like written in the context of the war, it was like mostly ran just post-war, which is a really right. interesting time to think about. Yeah, really sad. I certainly didn't try to promise anybody that this would be a fun episode in any way. <laughs> um, I also can I wait? I'm not going to move on. Just yeah. really quick. I want to say overall, I don't think this movie is that great. I think the direction is pretty bad, to be honest. I yeah. think there are a lot of static frame shots that like don't move for like minutes at a time. Yeah, there's just like long sequences that like the pacing there's is really no bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, have the only plus side like I will give this movie is like when they're on location and they're like in Maine. It's so beautiful. Like when they're on the boats, the boats and like when they're on the beaches, I'm like, oh my god! Like I've never been to Maine. It looks idyllic. Um, that's all. That's all I really wanted to say about the movie itself as like a piece of media. Yeah, the setting is really, really, really pretty. It's very yeah. New England. It's very New England.
So on uh, Rotten Tomatoes, this movie has a 71%. And then every review is behind a paywall. So I have no reviews for you. <laughs> um, so stop doing that. Uh, all media publications. That's really annoying. Um, so on Letterboxd, uh, Valerie gives it a half star and says this was not a real nice clam bake. Oh, Amazing. The clams uh, are like, no, why am I in it? Yeah. <laughs> So Shay gave it a star and a half and said, I've never felt so angry, confused, and upset in my whole life. Harold Hill wouldn't let this happen. <laughs> Harold Hill said, now why am I in it? Yeah. And Lucy Lockett gave it two stars and said, this movie is terrible and my two stars were for the movie. But I went to see this stage production at a local theater and during curtain call when Billy Bigelow came up to give his bow, the guy in the row behind me jumped up and shouted, that's my husband. And I want him to know we are all real proud of his husband this evening. Aww. <laughs> that's so sick. Stupid review. review. It's so it. good. So disconnected from anything that was yeah. in the movie. I mean, literally, which is like that's how you exp- you have to experience this movie. Disconnected to whatever it's. I don't think like. you have to experience this movie, but if you do, <laughs> you don't. need to you need to experience it in a way where you are the not only. The only thing I would say is like if you. The only reason I would say it's good to watch is if you head in with the knowledge of like all the problems with it. So you can look at it from a critical lens. Mm. So after listening to this, you are fully equipped to understand what's critical enough. Yeah. 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 I do. I don't think, but I agree with you, Adam. I don't think it's a great movie. I don't don't, think it's a good enough movie to justify. I don't either. Yeah. To be honest. You know, I think the performances are pretty good and pretty solid throughout it. Um, I just think as like a piece, I didn't, I thought the direction was pretty bad. So I was like, just listen to the album. Just listen to the album, guys. With a critical lens. With a critical lens. The closer is come up with a better plot to go with the title Carousel. Because I think Mm. Carousel is a good title for a musical, but everything in it is garbage. Well, my mom famously loves carousel horses. She actually collected like little figurines of carousel horses for a very long time. I don't think she does. I don't think she has them anymore, but she did for a very long time. Um, I, when I was watching this movie and thinking about this uh, story, I was reminded of the fact that almost all media in which carnies, quote unquote, are part of the story, they are not good characters. Yeah. And I would like to see like a positive retelling as someone who literally was a carny at Walt Disney World. I would like to see someone be like, they're not all bad. Yeah. Not all carnies. They did so. That. It's the greatest showman. I never really thought of you as no. a carny when you worked at Disney, but I guess technically. I mean, literally, literally. I mean, we all make made jokes about it backstage that we were like, we're, we're just barkers. We're, yeah. We're just glorified carnies. Um, we're clean carnies. Yeah. Come on, come on. Step right up. Ride the fastest ride in Epcot. The test track. You can go 67 miles an hour. Yo, Step right up. Me. Great. Um, no, I have no plot. Uh, I don't want to talk about this musical ever again. I think, I think it's enough of a plot just to say it's it's a heroic carny story great that's that's yes that's cool more like a setup than a full plot it's final destination with the roller coaster but he saves the day the the heroic carney wow i've done it amazing i want like a toy story slash cats 
where the, the figurines in the in the carousel come to life at night and we like learn about their intricate society that that those those horses etc have with each other mostly because the only good part is when the dancers become the carousel horses so Ooh, i just want yeah. i want to expand on that and just make it a fun little romp where we learn in an episodic manner about all of their little lives the plot is Adam and RJ's wedding because we use the musical. <laughs> you have music from Carousel. Yeah, our vow renewal will be the <laughs> new musical called Carousel. If you include a single snippet from Carousel in your vow renewal, I will not come. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be on Who Zoom. said we're renewing vows? You'll have the link, so feel free yeah. to tune in. Zoom, it'll be a Zoom vow renewal. <laughs> oh, thrilling. Thrilling. Because I can't get rid of this touch of my appearance filter. Yeah. Anymore. It's doing me wonders. And of course, we all loved all the Zoom weddings we went to. They were all so fantastic. We just want more of that in our lives, please. Less in-person communication for sure is the way to go. Well, um, RJ? That was it. Our vow renewal. Uh, Oh, gotcha. The other option I was thinking like carousel horses made me think of glass menagerie i don't think she i think Ooh. those are just horses right i don't think it was like specifically carousel horses. no yeah they're I they're all kinds of animals they're all yeah they're oh, yeah they're it's not just menagerie yes. yeah and menagerie yeah. kind of implies that it's it's like a kinds zoo of animals oh i just assumed like the menagerie was like uh like the case of the yes animals. like chach like a collection of glass menagerie is just a 30 slang for vagina <laughs> <laughs> Listen, let me let's watch that musical. Okay. You want women empowerment? Show me the glass banana. I want to say sorry to my musical. mom that I feel like I really try hard not really, to swear very much in this podcast, and I've really fallen down on the job because I'm so upset. Uh, it really uh, gives new meaning to the term shatter the glass ceiling. You know it what I mean? <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> um, I don't have anything more to say. Um, yeah, glass menagerie, well, glass menagerie, the musical, absolutely but carousel, but called carousel. Love it. Everything yeah. about it is perfect. Yeah, no notes, no notes, no notes. Easily adaptable. Just put mm-hmm. the words to rhythm. Honestly, <laughs> and there's nothing more to say. Um, I have no- I have nothing to sing. I think we've we've done all the songs we need to do, and we don't need to uplift them any further this was a real nice clam bake we have attended a clam bake there were clams and they were fresh but now they are cooked because it was a real nice clam bake there's a musical called i think i've talked about it before there's a musical called musical musicals the musical have i talked about this no okay the musical called there's the musical of musicals the musical and in it the same plot is told five different ways as through the lens of a different po- composer or composer team. So Rashomon. it's done. It's done. Uh, Rogers and Hammerstein. They do Jerry Herman. They do Kander and Ebb. They do Sondheim and they do Andrew Lloyd Webber. Um, in the Rogers and Hammerstein one, there are four characters, an ingenue, a romantic lead, a villain, and an older female a- character actress. And they parody like a bunch of, like all of the like Rogers and Hammerstein stuff. And there's the song. Uh, that was delicious clam dip. Eating it made us glad. It may have been minced, but we're convinced that some of them clams were bad. 
<laughs> and then there's uh there's a part where he goes remember when we opened up the corn chip bag and poured them all into a bowl is it I swear to God and then we'll end the episode and then she goes I'd like to say a word for guacamole it's so good it's so good Uh, we had to end on a happy note goodbye bye thank you for listening to the best revival of a podcast showgaze you can find us on social media Adam is at Adam Noecker on Twitter RJ is at RJ Food Rocks on Instagram, and Molly is at Molly Matiny on Instagram. This episode was edited and mixed by Adam Noecker. This has been an Ampliverse production. You can find our show page and more information at theampliverse.com. If you'd like to send us your own takes on the movie we just watched, reach out to us via email and we might read it aloud on the show. Our email is showgazemoviemusical at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to help others find the show. And now, as always, the show must go on. So stick around to hear what we're going to be watching next episode. Hello, gorgeous. Columbia Pictures is proud to present Barbara Streisand. Yeah? You're going to be a big star someday, Miss... Uh... Uh, Bryce, Fanny Bryce. I'd rather be... In her Academy Award-winning film debut... The whole world will look at me and be stunned. Even Jake the Plumber... He... Fully restored to its original roadshow presentation. You mean I'm hired? I'm a Ziegfeld girl. That's exactly what you are. I'm a Ziegfeld girl. You planning to make advances? And finally, back on the big screen. Presented in dye transfer technicolor and six-channel digital sound. Look, why don't we uh, get married? a beautiful wedding gown on a girl that's in the family way. Who would think of such a thing? Only one person I know. I can make a cry! From legendary producer Ray Stark and four-time Oscar-winning director William Wyler. Wait a minute, wait a minute. No, no, it's all right. I'm one of the eight beautiful girls, eight. Well, the makeup helps a lot. Barbara Streisand. Omar Sharif, Anne Francis, Kay Medford, and Walter Pigeon. Funny Girl.